Hi there. You are now listening to the Claim It podcast with me, your dryologist, Trisha Huffman. What does Claim It mean? I have seen in my own life, in the people I work with lives, really, it's up to us to claim our joy, to claim our dreams, to claim our goals, to claim our value, to claim our worth to claim our enoughness, that it's not out there somewhere, that once I hit this peak career, get this income, have this love, have this dream dream home, whatever it may be, that your joy, your feelings of enoughness, your worth is not out there somewhere, that it's up to you right now and every day to claim that, to claim it all for yourself. So, in these conversations, we talk about people's lives, journeys, and what they're claiming for themselves and how they get through the hard times, the good times, all of it. This episode, we're doing round two with Jason Mraz. It was one long conversation that we split into two episodes. In this one, we talk about how he wanted to retire at 40, and that was a goal of his, and now it turned into managing himself and what that actually looks like. The yes versus no how he finds creativity in everything, his morning routine that he's been doing or expanded upon for so long, his collection habits, and so much more. I hope you guys enjoy this episode because we had so much fun talking for it for you. Here we go. We are back with Jason Mraz. <gasps> wow, Mraz. that brings me back. I used to intro yeah. you on the stage. I Holy shit. Yeah. This conversation is like bringing up I know, 8 a lot million of fun past things. lives. We had a lot of fun things. Yeah. For <laughs> Trisha used to introduce me on stage because we toured so much that you would eventually not even care how you were presented. <laughs> well, thank you very much. No, 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 no. Early on in my <laughs> career, we played the remedy so much that I went through a period of time where we played an instrumental. We just played an instrumental track and I brought the audience on stage to sing it. And we did jumping jacks. I mean, that is terrible. I would never do that now. I even think back to why the hell was I hula hooping on your stage? Yeah, you <laughs> hula hooped. There was some tour during one song that you had people hula hoop and I'm like, what was that? No, but you eventually play so much that you forget how it probably lands or looks to people. I think people had a lot of fun. Let's, people probably really enjoyed the hula hooping. But. Of course. <laughs> but. And I think if people heard your introduction of me, they would probably go, oh, these guys are having fun. It, no, totally. Because yeah. I was like, I would like go would for it. You would screw like, it up. You'd go for it. And then you would like I downplay would my up? name. No, no, intentionally. I did? No, you would go... Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jason Mraz. <laughs> okay, I don't think I was meaning that to be downplaying no. you. I thought it was like, yeah, I'd be like, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jason Mraz. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I get yeah, it. You would like jokingly introduce <laughs> me. Which I understand. People are like dying, like, oh my God, Jason, I can't wait to hear these songs. And, and then, then we're kind of like. voice comes on the PA. Well, yeah, I make up, they would think it like those people are having fun. I hope so. We were having fun. Because <laughs> we were having fun. I'm now like, oh shit, I thought that was fun. We had a great time. And Any, the many lives of Jason and Trisha. Do people know the history? Or did we just, how do people know that we're connected? Other yeah, than we can get into that. I was probably going to be like, in the beginning of an episode, talk about it. But yeah, Trisha Huffman's first dream career 
was to be a live sound engineer. And you did it well. And I worked my butt off and I made it happen. And I became Jason Mraz's monitor engineer, which is the person that is on stage controlling what every single person on stage is hearing. They each have their own mix. Right. It's a high pressure job, yo. It is because the band performs best when they hear themselves very well. Which means that's the job of the monitor engineer. So of course they need to play and play well. But I have to make sure that the sound is good and that each person is also, again, they get their own mix so that they can, like Jason might need more kick drum and he wants to hear the background vocals a lot. I don't even remember yeah, your mix. Sure, I'm just sure, making sure. shit up. And you need to hear your voice a lot, obviously. But some singers don't. They want it mixed in, whatever. The drummer yeah. needs a lot of bass. Like everybody has their own mix. I need mix. more reverb on my vocals so it sounds good in my ears. Yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, so you're mixing for every single person on stage. And you did it for Dolly Parton. Yeah, for Natalie Cole. Yeah, for John Cougar Mellencamp. No, Tom Cochran. Oh, Tom Cochran, who we opened for John Mellencamp. But but that was amazing because I drew up. I grew up with like my father, like played John Mellencamp's music all the time. So then I was like, oh my god, I'm touring with With, my dad's. Like these are the songs I grew up on. So super cool. Yeah. So So that's what you did. I met you through sound. I got yes, assigned your tour through sound image. Who's XLAR cables I'm using right now to record this episode? Yeah, I have a sound image ladder in my garage. <laughs> Shout out Sound Image. Thanks to Dave Shadone and all Shadone. our friends at Sound Image, Escondido, California, Nashville. So that's how Jason and I first started working together. We've been through a lot. What also became the like point of me stopping doing sound. And moving into what became the joyologist was the sudden passing of my father, where I was shattered and flew from the funeral to tour in Australia <laughs> yeah. as a mess. And then finally was like, which was that was the I'm Yours tour. That was going to be the big, big, like big tour. We're going to be on tour for the year. So that was a hard choice for me to then be like, I can't do this. I'm a mess. And I took time off. So that was, I believe, early 2008. 2008. Yeah. Father died in March. That was a 22-month tour. That so I, you left in the middle of. The very beginning. Yep. And dealt with some personal matters, some family matters, and rethought, what does Trisha want to do with her I life? came and uh, I lived at Jason's house while he was on tour to take care of his cat because I was supposed to be on tour for the year and I had no money. He was in, gone. I ended up working out because you didn't have anybody to watch. Holmes. That's right. My kitty. Um, and that's when I eliminated the word should for my life. And you started to, you went to yoga teacher training. I got certified as yoga teacher training. Started cooking and doing the raw food diet stuff. Yep. I was always into that wellness and taking care of myself because that's, because I had fibromyalgia. So I would be on tour doing yoga, eating well, doing all of these things. And now I finally like took a hiatus from my life, was in one place to finally actually start making food myself. Okay. I love yoga. I don't see myself at a studio, but but I know I have this and that. So why not get trained right now? I take this time. I eliminated the word should from my life. And so then I did every day. What am I doing today? What do I want to do? What do I want to eat? What do I like? What am I going to do next? I had lived my biggest dream of being a sound engineer and I made it happen. And it was epic. Yeah. I went all over the world. I was good at it. People paid me good money. I got to do good things. But it still wasn't fully fulfilling. And I was, I knew I was ready for something else. Um, And so my father's passing made me wake up to like, I take such great care of myself and am in tune with my own thoughts. 
I'm walking around every day seeing these people that aren't having a happy life and they their lives could end tomorrow because my dad's just mm, in. He mm. was found dead in his car. Oh. He slipped and hit his head. Right. And died and, of hypothermia. Right. Got like, in his car. Because and didn't shut the door all the way and passed out. Uh, like it's a, like I'm saying you to that you guys because like again it's a freak like when I'm saying you could die tomorrow, it might not be cold where you are, but like weird things happen. Yeah. And so that very much was a like, hey, live your life. Yeah. And I also toured with these major artists, some of which Jason named, including himself. Yeah. And as you mentioned, yeah, you beat some fruit up and like you weren't having great days. So I saw people that I'm like, wow, I'm living my dream. These people are living their dreams. Yeah. But maybe they're not like enjoying it. Yeah. Maybe they could use some more resources to help them sustain the happiness of their dream. You know, we also go through life sometimes thinking we're going to live forever, that we can do stuff later, that we can put stuff off till later. Like, you know what? I may not be happy today, but I'll I'll be happy next month when this job is over. And I think yeah. that is that can lead to suffering. That mm-hmm. can lead to really not enjoying an entire month of your life yeah. or more. So you came back and offered, hey, I want to rejoin the tour, but I want to offer different services. Do you remember how it happened? Well... In early 2008, I don't, but I do remember I had had a brief chef on yeah. the road, Orion, yeah, who introduced Toka and I to raw food and smoothies because Toka was having diabetic episodes. I'm sorry to bring Toka's personal life into this podcast, but Toka was having health issues. So we said, let's reverse it through diet. We both changed our diet and had phenomenal results. We wanted to continue doing that. And at the same time, as our relationship continued to grow, Trisha and I, we were starting to do transformative workshops through Cafe Gratitude, through Landmark Education. That started after Joyologist. Really? Mm -hmm. After 2009? I thought we did some of it in 2009. Oh, maybe Gratitude. There was some Gratitude intro. Anyway, we were starting to get into that work and we're really moved by it. And so Trisha then presented the idea to me. This is how I remember it that you could offer those basic Orion services and yoga yeah, and backstage vibe. We didn't know what we're going to call it, but something to help keep the joy level up rather than suffer from this 22 month tour that's been going on. And well, so, and that's also like, so seeing that I joined, but also then seeing the tour life where people probably think like, seems like amazing where it is. Like you get to travel and see the amazing places, but it's so hard and such long works and the dressing rooms are a lot of places times not nice. The catering is not very healthy or it's like, here's some fruit salad and a like salad. Like even if you're asking for certain things, it's not great. The environment itself, you're working so hard. So even if you were the like most of sound insightful person like it's it's just it is like their work it's a yeah. it's hard your work every day is a different days. town you're so also just wanting to inject general health into that but what that was my intention i'm going to go back on the road cuz that was the world i knew but tell me more what i don't think that you would have been able or maybe you didn't believe in it or were able to sold, sell that to your people at that part. What happened was at Teray, you guys were, gro- the tour was growing. You needed a production assistant. Uh-huh. For sure, you're missed out on the road. I didn't want to do sound anymore. So I wasn't taking that job back. Oh, We need a production assistant. Oh. And I said, he said, is that below you? 
which by if any production assistants working here, I'm not meaning that, but me, production assistants are hard ass working people. It's a big job, but just he didn't know if that would be, if I would want to go back on the tour and not do sound, but do that. I said, I would love to be the production assistant, but this is what I really want to happen. I'm going to come out on the road and be the production assistant, but I'm going to convert that into this new job because I want this. I uh-huh. want, I'm going to start making smoothies. I'm going to lead yoga. I'm going to do all of these things and I'm creating a new position. So I went out with the production assistant title and was doing those things. But I also then was working my butt off yeah. to, I'm going to make your dressing room nice, Jason. I'm going to do this. Here's a smoothie. Here's a juice. Here's, can you, will you do yoga with me? And a road case that was a mobile like well, kitchen set Because I think it was only a week or so into the tour. Then you said, what is Trisha doing? <laughs> I want this to be her full-time job. Ooh. So we hired a new production assistant yeah. <laughs> and we built the road case <laughs> and I got my dressing room. We made it happen. But so like you did see that and believe in me, but then it was again, like what I'm saying is like, if you want to do something, just make it happen. That yeah. I could have just been selling people. This is what I'm going to do for you. But instead I just went and made it happen. And then for someone to be like, Oh yes, I wow, need this. Is this. Nice. We need more of this. Yeah. <laughs> so then, and that's, and then Etre was like, okay, so Trisha's the joyologist. So he just threw that word oh, out. Oh, really? How about that? And it stuck. <laughs> oh, today's his birthday. Yay! Oh, Etre is Jason's longtime production. production manager and front of house engineer, which Etre and I first started on your tour and we did Natalie Cole together. We did Tom Cochran together right. as well as sound Did ET engineers. bring you in to the tour? Nope. We just happened to be new on assigned at the same time. Yeah. And then he How about likes that? my worth ethic. Yeah. Ethic and so if you've ever been to a concert since 2008 uh, and you've liked how it sounds, that's E.T. That's E.T. That's right. He makes it sound real good out there. You can't even tell I'm lip syncing. <laughs> Anyway, so summarizing of Jason and I's relationship. And so, yeah, so then we also, so it was much about physical body, but then, as you said, we were getting into more of this transformational work and that I also then wanted to be that person that if you were having a bad day to instead of there being slamming doors and you be in a bad mood and everybody else be walking on eggshells, not just saying you, anybody, bosses, anywhere that someone's in a position of power or the boss or whatever, that a lot of times people are walking on eggshells and not having the hard conversations with those people right. for fear of they won't like me. Am I going to get kicked off the tour? Am I going to get fired? And so I like, hey. Hey, you living your best life? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, we would have clearings <laughs> where we would just kind of... Um, talk about what was coming up. Talk about what was coming up. I How mean, you're feeling. And it's, and it's not that every day was a stress fest and we were trying to constantly heal something broken. It wasn't. It was just almost like, how can we continue to turn up the vibe? How can we continue to break down walls and crank up the joy to create sustainable joy? And that's yeah. what I got out of the experience were new practices, how I could take better care of myself, how to use yoga in my schedule, how to continue to eat better and pack differently to support my food and my habits how to communicate better. Yeah. Just different ways of being and uh, techniques that could uh, sustain the joy through the process. It was cool. Really? Yeah. Like all encompassing. And it's really just 
training and getting used to like listening to yourself and your body. Like, I'm not feeling this great. Like, oh, maybe it's because I didn't, I need to eat more of this. Or maybe it's because I'm annoyed about that thing that was said. Or maybe it's because I said yes when I really wanted to say no. Maybe it's because I need to create a better boundary with that person. Maybe it's because of this. So it's just really like tapping in and that you brought me on and maybe not fully in that role at the time of more was more wellness. But then I was like, I'm committed to it being more full on wellness, (laughs) Ayurvedic wellness, (laughs) mind, body and spirit. Yeah. And so that like, Hey, like it's uncomfortable for me to come in and check in on you right now. And you might be upset with me, (laughs) but we have to have challenging conversations and get through it because it's not like, it's just for everybody's betterment. Cause also like if you're more clear and enjoying your life and your job and if you're saying yes when you really want to say yes and no when you really want to say yes, it, it benefits everybody. Everybody. And that's the entire camp. And that's also like I was so used to being on tours, but it's like everybody's then walking around in a weird funk because they don't know something's off and we can't approach it or that. So, hmm. so yeah. That was a good time. <laughs> and then I'm happy, though, that that was also the point that like we created these things that you still then fall back on, that you can pull out yoga and that have the healthy eating blueprint for yourself. Yeah. Speaking of that then, so let's say that's like on the tour, we said if something's coming up, do you have daily practices at home that you do to let your like rounded, centered, feeling your best, like anything you do in the morning? Do you remember? (laughs) This is way like when we first started working together. So before you were really into like a wellness stuff, there was like this thing where it was like 15 spins and 15... (laughs) What was that called? The five Tibetan rites. Okay. Do you ever do that again? I think about what Every was it? Every day. No way. Do I you? I still do them. Still, but you did it consistently for like 10, however many years we've known each other. I've done it. You just go back. Very consistently. Really? Yeah. No, I didn't know. No. If, if only thing I, I've done now is I've actually expanded on it. So it was one of the first yoga practices that I was ever taught that was really easy to remember and easy to do. And it was almost silly. So it was kind of fun to <laughs> do I'm like, it. I'm like, I just remember like the spinning of it, but I've also been wanting to ask you because I'm like, maybe that'll be a good thing for me to start. Cause it's like, yeah, you don't need, it's like you do this, you do this, you do this. Yeah. So it was pitched to me as these are the exercises that Tibetan monks do before they sit and meditate all day. So they have to have their bodies loose and they got to have the chi flowing so that they can do whatever they do as monks. Right. I'm like, okay, what are they? And five exercises. The first one is spin around clockwise, put your arms out, to right? your shoulders. Okay, there we go. And spin around clockwise. Look over your right arm and spin around clockwise. Seven, 14, or 21 times. Oh, okay. Seven so you can do each exercise only seven times or 14 times or 21 but times. But you ch- choose the same. So if you're doing seven, you do seven of each thing or you just can pick and choose? I pick and choose. Okay. I live <laughs> uh, I live my the, the life I imagined. <laughs> okay. So like the spinning, I'm not always down for 21 spins. <laughs> yeah. Seven it's is just fine. <laughs> If I'm feeling crazy, I'll do 14. <laughs> 21 is a rare day where I spin around. Imagine getting out of bed and spinning around. It gets you going. It gets the juices in your brain spinning. You get dizzy. <laughs> what do you do next? So then you got to stand there for at least a minute and let the juices in your brain okay. chill because you're dizzy. Okay. 
Then the next one is a kind of a crunch. It's kind of a sit up. So you can do it seven, 14, or 21 times. Okay. Easy. I always do Lay 21 down. because you got to have that beach body. Okay. No matter what. <laughs> 21. So we do, Jason Sven right play on his seven spins. <laughs> seven 21 spins, 21 sit ups. <laughs> and then uh, there is like a camel pose, kind of a back bend, which. Um, is a front stretch. A lot of people think back bends are something for your back, but they actually help stretch your front body. On your knees, hands on your hips. Yeah, okay. And do a camel pose, sort of inhale back, exhale forward, and you, you do it as a vinyasa. Exhale forward, meaning up to straight or like forward? Like, do you go like down, like a child's actually, pose? Actually, I do inhale, up, straight, lean back, exhale. Uh. <laughs> And That's, then, wait a minute. Uh, was back. Hang on. <laughs> Typically, I inhale as I rise uh-huh. and I exhale as I fall. But so, when where are you falling back to? Like back to the ground or back to just sta- just back to standing? Oh, are you doing it standing or kneeling? Kneeling on okay. my knees. Got it. Yep, just okay. back and up, back and up, back and up. So, so we got spins. Yeah, the next one is a crunch. tabletop. So like cat cow? Nope. Oh. Um opposite. What's the tabletop? Like when you're seated, legs out front. And I'll I'll typically do like oh. a um calf and reverse tabletop. So yes. like you're putting your belly button towards to the, the sky. sky. <laughs> yep. So I'm seated, feet out. Got it. I put my hands beside my And you put your head back? And I uh-huh. I leave my heel grounded on the mat. And I push myself up to a reverse tabletop, belly to the sky. That's one. And then back down yeah. is one. So I do that 714. I try to do that one 21 times because it's almost like a dip. It feels really good in the chest and the arms. And then in my shoulder blades, it's a different, it, it reaches a different area. So anyway, I do those. Is that them? That's is, the fourth. That's the fourth. And the last one is a basically just um, down dog to up dog. Okay. That's what I thought there was. And that. you're kind of pumping almost yeah. like... Yeah, pumping it. Um, you you eliminate chaturanga. I do that 21 times. And that's like you wake up in the morning. Well, I wake up, I probably have water and I pee, but then I Got get it. right to it. I just get it done. I love that you still do it because I was just like, I remember years and years and years ago, you were talking yeah. about this and it's still implanted in my mind. Yeah. What's great about it is uh, you can do it in 10 minutes if you want or less if you want to just get something get your body moving or you can spend 30 minutes and do it. And now I'll actually add in Surya Namaskar A. You know, I'll do full sun salutations and add in a warrior sequence to it as well. Right. Because once you start, then you're like, this feels good. Exactly. I'm there. What else? And I start to notice in my body, what else needs stretching? What did I do yesterday that I'm waking up with today? So I put in an extra stretch on something. And now, right now, I'm really into balancing and I'm trying to open up my hips more and stretch more. So I put in a little bit of time on one foot, like grabbing a toe, going, putting out to my side. So all of this still is grounded in those five Tibetan rites, but I've just expanded on them. And there's a great song I use. It's called Devi Prayer by Craig Pruce. It's on Jason's meditation station. If you were to go on my Spotify. We can link this in the show notes. It's a 22 minute track and it's a great length for doing your practice. For me, it's a great length because if I put the track on, I know roughly when it starts to wrap up around, I have two minutes left because the chant changes. And I know at that point, I can kind of put myself into Shavasana or start wrapping it up. But at least I give myself that 22 minutes of, you know, me time 
to just feel really great. So that, okay. So that's something you do pretty much every day. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. Is there any other like regular practice that, or like something, maybe it's not you don't do every day, but something you come back to when you feel like you're having a day that's like, ah, and you're like, I'm supposed to be writing right now and I can't get there or like ways to get out of your head. Besides, we talked about yoga before on for the yeah. stage as well. Yeah. Like I mean, if I'm supposed to be writing and I can't get there, I just start writing something. I just pick up an instrument and I start singing something. Because sometimes writing is, you can't just write. Sometimes you just can't write because your brain is saying, well, write something's fool, yeah. you fool. Whereas if I put the pen down and I just start singing, then a truth starts to come out. Got it. And then I can turn that into writing, you know? Yeah. So for me as a writer, I've learned how to just be able to create. I know how to write things. I'm never stifled in that world. And uh, so now, like, I know you to often always be like, oh, so-and-so is coming over to writing. There's people writing. Oh, Jason has these people like writing. Mm -hmm. That is that not just always for like a plan of, okay, an album's, in my mind, is that just something as like your nature of like, I must keep creating? Yeah, I like that feeling. If I don't create for two weeks, I notice it. I notice it big time. So, but I can create in my journal, I can write haiku yeah. and love it and get the same reward as writing a song. If those three lines in that haiku are brilliant, I'm like, oh my gosh, and I'm good for a week. Mm-hmm. You know, I do, I get the same joy out of gardening. If I, put in a few hours building a garden bed that is backbreaking work. But at the end of the day, it looks really nice. And I know my drip tape is there and I can put in my <laughs> seeds and I'm going to grow some corn right here. I'm going to grow some popcorn. I'm actually growing popcorn this season. I'm excited about it. It's just a different starchy variety. Yeah, I didn't variety. even know, but I guess that would make sense. You're not just growing corn, it's, pop- it's popcorn. Corn. So it's a little, I think, I want to say it's starchier. It's, it's It would be very difficult to eat it off the cob, yeah. but you can- huh put it in the oil and it turns into popcorn. You don't have to do any drying or processing. It literally comes right off the corn cob into your pot and you can eat it. The last time I was here and you were in farmer mode. Yeah. And I thought about, I wonder, I bet that having those, that farmer time must be useful to your creative mind because you're there like doing physical work but right to like ideas and thoughts come to you oh that you're like, gosh. oh, this song like that. You've like given yourself yes. this space to create unintentionally or intentionally, perhaps. Totally. Yep. I mean, and you never know what's going to pop up. I mean, that's a cool thing about working on a garden is you have a task in front of you. And when you're working at Earth Pace, you know, it's going to everything is going to have its season. So you're just you're really practicing patience. You're nurturing something and you're having patience simultaneously my creative mind is resting or I'm watering an idea subconsciously. Um, One easy sort of surface example is about a year ago, I'm in my garden, I'm working on some stuff and I'm listening to music out loud. There's some jazz on, on the speakers out in the the garden and, uh, and there's this funky sax solo happening over a funky track. I don't know what it was, but it made me think of Carlos Sosa, who's a sax player. And I was getting ready to do a gig, a charity gig in Vegas with a new configuration of a band I was putting together. And I I knew at that moment, I said, I got to bring Carlos. I got to get him to (laughs) that gig. And I I wasn't 
in work mode when I was gardening. But that yeah. idea came up and I text him and I said, do you want to come to Vegas and do this thing? And a couple of months later, I'm at that show, I'm on stage and I'm having that moment realized where I'm sitting in this funky jam <laughs> and Carlos has taken the solo and I almost cried mm. because I said, this is the moment that I, this is, I'm eating the fruit of the seed that I planted a few yeah. months ago. So the garden has the same exact effect. You put a seed in, you nurture it. 110 days later, your popcorn is ready and you're cooking it with your friends and it's amazing. So I've learned a lot from both worlds. How I've just learned a lot of patience and care. Yeah. But, and I was also seeing that by giving yourself this, like, you're not like, I have to create today or you're like, so you don't maybe have pressure on yourself, but you're just in the garden working and sort of like you took that pressure off yourself and then it gives your mm. mind the space to that you might have this idea of that. Like that's something I've realized in becoming a mother. I don't have as many work hours for how my life is structured right now. And so I can sometimes feel like, oh, I don't have that time to work. But what I've then tapped into the same thing, like I could be doing dishes and all of a sudden I have this thought and I'm like, okay. And so I'm like addicted to Google docs on my phone and I have a new doc, like, you know, and that's just like open that type it down. And because I'm someone that will forget uh -huh. everything. Uh -huh. And it's just like, now I feel like instead of being like, I don't have enough time that it's just like, I've taken that like pressure of time off or like you need to do this much work by today. And now it's like because of that, that it's just sort of like my mind has allowed these different thoughts and ideas to come in and that a lot of my like, yes, thoughts end up being in time where I'm just when I'm not trying to force them. And yep. so like wondering then too, if like song or creative ideas come to you when you're Oh, out there. Totally. The and best ones do. And what, yeah. what do you do then? Like, are you someone that's like, I'm going to come back to this. You don't probably have your Google, your phone to write a note like you, or do you run? Do you write a note? Yeah. Like all of the above. I try to, if I, if my phone is close by, I'll sing the idea on my voice memo. I'll write it down on a voice memo. If I have a pen handy, I'll write it on my hand or something. But, but you're the same way. Like I, know, I got up. Yeah. I know that my ideas don't, hang around same they might resurface but we don't know when that's gonna yeah. be yeah it's crazy so yeah so then you're just like oh stop listen jot it down and then get back to work or will you like sometimes be like oh i gotta go work on this right now or just it's a jotting it down now, i can usually just jot it down i'm a collector yeah yeah same are you comfy on that couch yeah i just okay. realized i was leaning onto a weird place okay. in my arm okay let's go back to doubts, fears, pressure, worries, and the negative thought patterns. So that now that, isn't it funny? Making sure you're recording. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was from my doubts and fears that you were recording. <laughs> well, either way, we've had an epic conversation all afternoon. We Jason. have. My cat heard some of it. Mark Wilson heard two sentences as he walked by. It's like all we've taped was, it's real. We <laughs> peeled off the plastic. Yeah. That's the episode. <laughs> Do you, when you were starting out, mm -hmm. you mostly had the night naivete. You were, if judgment thoughts or anything came up, you, you were still like, this is happening. This is happening. Once you maybe like then had the record deal, we're in the studio or a record two or record three or towards the end when you're like, I only have one record left in my contract. Or when you're getting to bigger shows, that's another thing too. I, you know, in my experience, you haven't 
you like the smaller venues when you go to a bigger venue. Mm -hmm. Is that just you don't feel as attached to the audience because they're farther away? Or do you have a fear or doubt of of your performance? Just basically trying to tap into like, wow, Jason, you've done it. You're living your dreams. Mm -hmm. What kind of thoughts come up for you? And what are the like sort of harder moments that you've had to get around in that? Or if you remember a certain time or year or when those things come up? Through the years, I fine-tuned it to be the kind of experiences that I know bring me joy and that I'm comfortable working in. So you just talked about big venues versus little venues. Mm -hmm. When we started to blow up after I'm yours and then I won't give up was right after that. Things were big. Things were, we were in big venues all the time, tens of thousands of people a night. And it was, for some reason, it wasn't the same. It didn't feel, it felt a little more I want to use the word generic because to tell for me to tell a story or to communicate with 10,000 people it's harder than communicating with 2,000. 2,000 in a theater is a focused group in a theater. Okay, this is my personal experience as a performer and our one of our biggest jobs is crowd control. You're there to to take the audience on a transformational journey, entertain them for 2 hours. If they are a group of 10,000, you cannot keep tabs on everybody. There's a different crew happening in the lawn that is happening downstage right. And to me, that sucks. I'm just not interested in that. That's not my kind of performance. That's not my kind of crowd control. I'm not interested in that. I don't want to have to monitor both. And in order to monitor both, I have to really fine tune my show and make my expressions very timed so that they land according to the echo Mm. of the room they have a flow that doesn't lose the interest of the audience. And to me, it just becomes very, very calculated. Whereas when I'm in a theater, I can stop, I can tell a story, I can talk to everybody in the same room at once. So it's just a personal preference. And through that experience, I have, I had to push and pull with managers and yeah. agents who see the bigger room as a bigger payday. And I said, yeah, great. But the reward is not the same. Yeah, there's more money at the reward, but the joy level is mm. way different. So I would rather have the bigger joy and the less money because it's life, right? And so that was something you had to make, you saw for yourself and that it wasn't in that process of seeing that it wasn't for you. Did you then were like, well, wait, does this have something to do? Like, do I feel like I'm not good enough or something in this? And then being like, well, no, I just don't enjoy this experience. But like, did yeah. you yourself had to like fight with like, no, I can perform here like this, you know, like trying to make it be something that was yours. And then just realizing, you know what? I don't like playing these rooms and that's okay. Yeah, I tried. And then even on this last tour, last summer, we put ourselves in some bigger venues, but they were the occasional bigger venues. They weren't every night. So we rose to the occasion and we made it work and it was a blast. But... Yes, I have fine-tuned my experiences, I guess. I pick and choose the ones that I want to have, which is a luxury. It really is. Yeah. But in order to get there, I had to make some hard decisions on my journey. You know, I I decided to leave my management office. I decided to reconnect with an old booking agent. I decided to um, just kind of do things myself, which... In the dream world, it it seems like, oh, that'll be so fun. 
but it's twice as much work. Yeah. Because you did, I didn't realize how much my management did for me until I didn't have a manager yeah. anymore. And I had to show up and make sure I followed up all those emails and all those requests that are coming in from so many different places about both performances and where your music shows up, where your name and likeness shows up, all that stuff, because you're a, yeah. I'm a public entity or something. So... Uh, I don't remember what your original question was, but yes, I had to do some shifting and some uncomfortable moves within yourself. Within yourself like I'm like you had to stand up for yourself within yes. your management stuff like that. But then also like to get to a place for yourself to be like, this is actually the choice that I want. Yeah. And even though everyone is telling me, no, Jason, uh -huh. this is what's best for you. Yeah. You yeah. can do this. You put on great shows and do that. And for you to listen to that and understand yeah. all of that and to just be like, yeah. Yeah. It was almost the same as dropping out of college moving to California. It's like somebody could have talked me out of it, but I didn't want them to. And someone could have talked me out of and kept playing bigger venues and making bigger money and staying with my management and trying to take over the world. But I didn't want that. It wasn't fulfilling to me. It just looked like more work and lesser joy. That's what it looked like. So I held my own. I made some uncomfortable decisions. I did what other people thought would be sacrifices or went backwards in trajectory because I had momentum and playing bigger venues is, looks like the natural trajectory. And I, want, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to go backwards and play in smaller theaters where I could control the content and... It wasn't uncomfortable for me. I was saying, like, you're happy it. Yeah. with your choices. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, with that. So then, yeah, talking about management and then labels or any sort of person like that that's had effect in your career, whereas has that been something that has been a challenge to navigate throughout the years where it's like, of course, they want you to be your best, what they see as their version of your best, which, so maybe you need to be on this or do this or promote this oh, or yeah. be there. And we're, you know, you're going to be the next this, or you need this kind of song or whatever. Like, how does that affect you? And how, I mean, again, you've now chosen these different things, but right. I'm guessing it different earlier in your career where you maybe weren't as clear and confident to listen to yourself. So what does that feel like when it feels like they're trying to make you do something or be something that you don't know if you resonate with? Well, through the years, I've gotten better at performing. So showing up and doing certain gigs is easier than it was back in the day. If I was ever hesitant to go on a TV show or have a certain look, most of my hesitation was because I wasn't prepared or I didn't value myself. Mm. I didn't think that I was worthy of playing Saturday Night Live or I didn't think I was worthy of receiving a Grammy, right? So even though my label, my management, my agents put me in those positions, there were there were a few times where I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not playing the Hollywood Bowl. I'll never sell that many tickets. Mm. But they would, I would rise to the occasion. I would learn how to do it thanks to their trust in me. So through the years, through experience, I became a better performer and learned to trust people when they saw me as greater than I saw myself. Yes. And that that helped. But I also learned through experience that, no, I've done that before and I don't want to do that again. You know, I've done nine hours of interviews in a row and mm -hmm. I don't want to do that again. I'll do one hour of interviews and I'll spread it out over nine days. So little things, I've I've claimed it for myself to give myself the kind of experience I want to have while living this dream. 
Yeah. I claimed it. I brought it back. Brought it in. Yeah. Which, and that's, that's also what was, you know, one of the things that in the work that I started with you and others is that that's one thing that I wanted to show up and to be a reminder for that, like, hey, you even in that, in one of the last rounds entitled me manager of integrity. Yeah, I like that. And it was to sort of remind you and to remind you of the different options that you have and not just this is what you're doing today. This is, we have this opportunity for you. We have that or whatever. And just to like, be able to talk you through with things to be like, okay, but is that what you want? Or maybe if it's something that shows up to you as a no to then like, well, let's see if it can be something that you can put yourself in that position for or something. And that just, I'm bringing that up because in the options of whoever you are in a public eye or, you know, working in your dream or something like that, that just to be looking at whether it's yes or no, to like look deeper at it. And that's one of the thing when we bringing back to yes and no, as we talked about earlier, that I think so many people are an automatic yes for one, wanting to please people, wanting to show up, but also like, well, yes sounds better than no most of the times. Anyway, like if I say no, does that mean I'm not afraid or I'm not enough or something like that? And to just hesitate on your yeses and to really see that you're allowed to say no, that that might be the bigger yes to yourself. Yeah. Or just like, why are you saying yes? And then also, why are you saying no? Is there a fear in there? Is it just because you want somebody to like you and then you're going to show up and you're going to be annoyed that you're doing it? I don't even know. All right. I love no now. I I almost see no as like a punchline. It's a comedy. Punchline. I love it. Someone's like, hey, I'm doing this thing next Wednesday. And before they even finish, I'm like, you know what? Nope. Nope. Something about that solid no that you can that you're really convinced it's a no. Like I know this is a no. Oh, there's so much joy in that. Yeah. It feels good. That's why I say it's a punchline. It almost evokes laughter. Yeah. Because Jerry's really good at it, who we talked about earlier, Jerry, the merch manager. Yeah. He's like, nope. He's just a solid no. And I feel like being able to be a solid no is someone that is just more in tune yeah. with yourself and more connected to yourself and what you value. And also, like, it doesn't mean like you're saying, no, you don't value that person, but just like, you know what? Sometimes you got to say no to epic things also. Because it's just like, I can't do that. I can't do it It's all. not going to be there. I need to take, it's not my time right now. I'm in this window. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I've been working to get to this window for so long. Where I'm at, I've, it's been on my schedule on how to conduct getting the records out and getting the tours done. It has. To get where I'm at to where I'm at right now is I can put in a few hours a day in the garden and do some farming stuff, but I can also put a few hours a day in the studio and continue to make music. I can be home more and be a better husband. I can be more familiar to my cats. Like It's the kind of life I've been really looking forward to do and still go out and tour from time to time so I can pay my water bills, right? I'm so happy for you. Thanks. Hey there, taking a quick pause to tell you about our sponsor, which is my very own daily inspiration app called Own Your Awesome. It's available in the Google Play, 
and Apple app stores. You can open up your app store right now, type in own your awesome or your joyologist and it'll come up. It's only $3.99 one-time purchase. There's no ads, no monthly fees, and it's hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations to boost your joy levels, bring yourself some inspiration, empowerment for the day, maybe get a message to get out of your own way. So you can come to it at any time. You can set even a daily reminder. So every day at whatever time you choose, 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 1 p.m., you get a little note to remind yourself to pull a card. I'm going to pull a card right now. Oh, I got it says, don't waste your energy trying to figure out why it happened. Just know that the reason will eventually reveal itself and that it's all working out. I'm going to hit show me a card again. And I got believe in yourself, believe in your dreams, truly feel that they are coming true. So there's hundreds of cards, hundreds of thoughts, hundreds of affirmations. You can easily share them, hit a little heart button to save them. It's so good and so fun to come to at any time. Now back to our episode. I remember having conversations with you so long ago and like bringing up, hey, you know, so-and-so, they only tour in the summer when their kids are off school. And like, like examples of like, you don't have to do it the way that everyone's making you do it. Right. Well, people are making me do it, but I want How it's showing up. Yeah. But either way, long story short. I'm not saying I'm responsible. I'm just saying like, I remember having conversations yeah. where like, you know what? Long story short. I'm not happy this way, but I don't know what. I have finished up a lot of commitments in my life. I don't really work for anyone anymore. I don't employ anyone that works for me in the world in the way of management. Right. I mean, I I collaborate with people in a lot of things in music and agriculture, um, but I don't employ anyone to be my boss anymore, and that is a thrill. And it's taken me a long time to get here and have this sort of privilege. And I, it doesn't sound like it's a long time because when we listen to this story and I go back to being 20 years old and I was always free and pursuing this music business, it was free. But in 2002, I signed both a management agreement and a record deal. And so for 17 years, wow. for 17 years, I had, I had contractual obligations and there was no rules on what those looked like and how they were executed. But I always felt I owed somebody something for at least 17 years. Yeah, I owed them mm. hard work. I owed them a good product. I owed them my time. And to be free of all that right now is so cool. And the reason I'm telling you this is because last summer, just as I'm finally getting to this season of where I'm at right now is where I'm at right now, I, I called retired at 40. I'm not really retired, <laughs> but it was a goal of I, mine. I, yes, I've heard the retired at 40. For it was a goal of mine to just finish up my obligations and reset, do something new at 40. Not, not a new career necessarily, but just have a different experience, which I'm doing and I'm loving life, stretching more. I can almost do the splits. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Last summer, I got approached by a friend to write a musical. It's like, oh my gosh. And my first thought was, nope, nope, not going to do it. No, thanks. Why do you think it was nope? Just like, no, I'm, in my, I'm retired by 40. I don't have a contractual yeah. obligation. Yeah, this is not in alignment with my thing. So I'm not doing it. So they said, oh, well, you'd be really great at this. This is right up your alley. This is the, this is the kind of show it is. This is the kind of characters. I'm like, wow, you're right. It does sound great, but I am not interested. 
So a few months go by and yeah, it occasionally pops up into my brain. Like, could I do it? Yeah, I probably could. You know, maybe I should. Gosh, you know, Sarah Bareilles did it and it's kind of like writing an album. Yeah, I know how to do it. You know, blah, blah, blah. So, so I said, you know what? Let me, let me try. Let me just write a couple songs and see what happens. So I did. And you know what? They liked the songs and things were moving along. Like, oh my gosh, this could be something. But you know what started to happen? is my joy was diminishing. Mm. And I looked at my future, this sort of retired at 40, this plan I'd had to be completely free of uh, obligations, contractual obligations. I said, oh my gosh, I'm putting myself back into that situation where I have to write songs for a committee, a committee of producers mm. and writers to, be, to approve of this work that will someday become scrutinized on stage and it's going to take years to develop this to turn it into a stage show. And so I contacted them shortly after beginning and I said, you know what? This is not in alignment. I am so touched that you mm. considered me and that you really want me, but I have been planning to live a different life up until now. And it, it is important for me to live that life. It is important for me to just have that experience. I said, there are other writers out there who are going to be more hungry for this musical than I am. Right. If I'm not 100%, you shouldn't use me. And they were really kind and let me off the hook. And luckily, I never signed anything. I never told anybody about it. So there was no big public Jason's walking yeah, away from this thing. I wasn't sure thing. if you were about to tell me like, oh, and I have a musical coming out next year. I wasn't sure where that was going. <laughs> no, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my agents. I didn't tell anybody that worked for me because I didn't want to make a big deal of it. It was the same as going to college. I was feeling it out to see if this was really going to be something I wanted to yeah. do and if it was going to work Once. for me. Yes. If this was going to be something I wanted to do. Did I say want? You did. Yeah. And I was applauding. Thanks. And I tried it and it was fun, but there were other projects I wanted to do. There's other music in me that I am exploring and there's other yeah. backyard projects like growing popcorn. Like all these things take time. And if I were working for someone else right now to write their musical, yeah. I, we wouldn't be having this conversation today because my schedule would be very different and yeah. I'd probably be a stress ball. Yeah. So I turned down an amazing opportunity, but here's the thing. I've turned down lots of amazing opportunities because I know it won't be my last opportunity. Mm. However, if I die tomorrow, it will be my last opportunity, <laughs> but- you would have died not being a stress ball. Exactly. <laughs> I died happy growing popcorn- Making sitting on the reggae tunes, sit, drinking an entire Chemex by myself because my <laughs> podcast host chose not to drink any coffee. I, I drank a little, drank bit. a little. It bit. was delicious. Some of the best coffee in the world, right here. <laughs> this is the port of Mocha from FYI, Yemen. FYI, if you didn't know, Jason Ramirez is also growing coffee. Ha but like, I don't even know how much he's growing coffee. Yeah. So that requires time and energy. And it's something I want to be closer to home for. Having gotten into agriculture over the last 10 years, being on the road is hard because I'm writing a lot of checks to produce this fruit and to go organic and to pay labor and to pay water bills and put in wells. I mean, huge, huge investment in agriculture. And to not even be home to enjoy it and to yeah. work with it, put my hands in the earth was hard. It broke my heart. So this is another thing of who I am now. So good. I wanted to 
get to a place where I could work from home more and I could participate in you know, pulling weeds and mowing the lawn. Yeah. But, and just also enjoy it. Cause yeah, like so many people, it's could be working, working, working so hard. Cause maybe one day I'm working, I'm working on this good, good goal. And I'm working, working, working. And I believe in hard work and you need hard work to get, to make the dreams happen. But you also have to be making sure you've got some joy in there to make it worth it. Yeah. And that, that's also like the purpose of me having these conversations is that, your joy, joy is not guaranteed by, I made it. I got the record deal. I got the raise. I got the salary. We have bought this home. We are engaged. We have kids. None of that stuff guarantees joy. And so that it is something we got to make space for and claim every day. Yeah. And so sometimes you got to say no, even to some awesome yes, because there's, there's a more important That's right. yes. I'm not going to compromise my joy for anybody. It's so funny. You said joy level several times, and I have typed down, what is a go-to to raise your joy levels? Oh. <laughs> well, yoga. Yeah, we, are, that we could touched be, on yeah, it. Okay. So I was just like sort of like the, the synchronicity of that every time you said that, I was like, he's talking joy levels, and I didn't even put it in his mind. <laughs> for me, it's creativity. Anything from planting a tree, and that's creative because you have to figure out where you're going to put it. You have to dig that hole. You have to get the materials and kind of mix them all in the hole to amend the soil. You're going to have to mulch it. And then even once it's planted, you have to prune it. You have to feed it. I'm lost. I'm like, where are we talking about? Talking about the creativity of planting oh, a tree. <laughs> got it. You're seeing creativity in everything. Which is the creativity epic. of writing a haiku. I see creativity in everything. And that's what boosts my joy level. Yeah. Not just a plant. Like, I got to plant a tree. No. I get to plant a tree. And then after I do, like yesterday, I planted two fig trees, right? They're just little things. They're little organic fig trees, but they grow very fast. And within two or three years, they will double, even triple in size. And every year they start to put out more and more fruit, which is very exciting. So I planted these two trees and I'd had these little trees in my care for probably two weeks. I was at the lawn and garden store. And they were on, they were on, they were on the stoop, right? They're out front. I was like, look at these two little Aww, fig trees. Look at these little guys. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna take them home. I'll find a spot for them. <laughs> and they sat there for about two weeks and water. Like, where the heck am I gonna put these things? Like, I don't wanna just put them out in the driveway. I wanna put them somewhere I can see them. Maybe we're outside my kitchen door. <laughs> you adopted some little fig trees. <laughs> yeah. And they're small. They're about you know, two feet tall. They probably have three leaves on them. That's it. They're like, it's a twig. Anyway, after much contemplation and surveying of the landscape, which is all creative mind, I found two little spots right by my back door. And I thought, oh my gosh, how come I've never seen these spots before as perfect places for trees? I just assumed these spots were already taken or I couldn't fit a tree here or this is for walking or this is for driving. No, it was just a perspective thing. And once I planted them and see them, now I can visualize them as bigger trees and just being able to walk right out the back door in five years and pull a handful of figs. After you do your Tibetan rites. After I do my Tibetan rites, I can walk outside, I can pee on a jade bush, go back inside, brush my teeth while standing on one leg so that I can deepen my, <laughs> deepen my stretch 
Because you can do the full splits by then. Spin around, do my stuff, go outside, eat a fig, or grab some figs and throw them in my smoothie. I mean, I'm living in paradise. You are. I'm living such a good life, all because of creativity. So if I continue to do creative stuff, which is something I've done ever since I was a teenager, I used to collect Reese's peanut butter cup wrappers. Not not go out of my way and find them, but if I ate a Reese's peanut butter cup, like, I would save the wrapper, the orange wrapper. It said Hershey's you Reese's. Like outside. Reese's peanut butter cup. Yeah, the orange wrapper. It is, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why. I didn't go out of my way to find them. I didn't like them specifically <laughs> that I would wear t-shirts that say Reese's. <laughs> it's just that my mom would buy these Costco bags of Reese's peanut butter cups. And I would eat them. But instead of throwing the wrapper away, I'd save them. No other wrappers. Oh, I probably saved other weird stuff. So I have every hotel key I've ever been given. Yeah, I have every hotel key. I have bottle caps from probably the last four years of saving bottle caps. Because you're saving them for a creative project. Yeah, so it's they're come in to bins. You. I save corks. <laughs> they're in bins. Because I, and I just realized that one day... I, that you're a hoarder? <laughs> No. <laughs> I'm not a hoarder. It's organized hoarding. It's keeping them out of the landfill. Okay, that's really oh, why it started. Saving the earth. I'm saving the earth for a creative mind. Because so let's say I get into birdhouse making, which I'm really excited about doing this. <laughs> I'm making birdhouses. I can use the plastic hotel keys as shingles on the birdhouse roof. What are you thinking about for the Reese's wrappers? Wait, do you still have those? No. no. Okay, thank you. But yeah, the hotel keys, for sure. Okay. Lots of creative purposes in the but shelter. But I want to go back to the Reese's wrappers because I didn't know what was happening, <laughs> but I was, it was around. I didn't know why am I so I know. <laughs> I didn't. So... <laughs> But I haven't changed. I haven't changed. So I say the rappers and I'm watching like the Wonder Years and Doogie Howser. That's what's on. And I'm taping them all together. And I end up making like a huge wallpaper slash quilt out of Reese's wrappers. It makes a huge poster. And my sister walked in and she's like, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. I'm taping these all together. Don't they look cool? She's like, you are stupid. You need to do your homework. That doesn't do anything. What you need to do is turn off your TV and start doing your homework. But for me, there was joy in that collecting yeah. and the arranging of those pieces of paper, those orange wrappers and taping them together and seeing this larger thing manifest, this big poster, this weird thing that I made. And years later... I had a chance to go to Willie Nelson's house, his clubhouse, where he has this saloon out on this ghost town in, in Texas. And one of the walls is, no, zigzag rolling paper wrappers. Oh. Like not the paper itself, but the, the actual paper box. Yeah. The little cardboard uh -huh. paper sleeve. Hundreds of them put together as a wallpaper. On the wall. Like taped together as well. Or just, what? yeah, whatever. Yeah, stitched together, Did taped together. It? No, he had an interior designer who built movie sets, <laughs> built this entire ghost town. 
out on one of his properties, which was used in The Red-Headed Stranger, which was a movie he made in the 80s. So that town was built and still stands, and it's Willie's own private ghost town that no one is in, but he can drive his friends there, and you can play poker there, you can hang out. I mean, it is legit. It's its own ghost town. But your moment. So my moment is I'm in, I'm hanging <laughs> out at Willie's Saloon and there's a wall of zigzag wallpaper. And I remembered my Reese's Pieces wallpaper. I'm like, and I really appreciate that. I know what goes into that. And I know that it has everything to do with style, taste, art, creativity, collecting the creative mind, where this might end up. You know, there's an aesthetic, there's a purpose, you know, all, all of it matters, right? Yeah. It gave me joy to collect those things. Just the way it gives me joy to come home with a stack of hotel keys. With <laughs> I have all my boarding passes. I have a stack of boarding no passes way. because one day I'll probably make a wallpaper of boarding passes or one day I'm going to type poetry on them and made a make a book. Or I don't know, but they're they're resources that aren't in the landfill that I get to use for zero yeah. waste projects. That's pretty amazing. So that's how I raise my joy level is staying creative on so many different levels. And you, do you still like not really watch much like TV, like whatever, like you're, I remember just always like, you were just always doing, doing something, stuff. which is it was a little bit, honestly, for me, I know at a point I felt bad about myself. Why? Because I was doing too much? Well, like we get home from a long ass tour in a time we might be living together. And I'm like, when I get home from tour, my routine is I stay in bed for the day and I'm going to watch like a whole series of something because I am spent. And you might have had one restful days, but you were pretty like doing stuff. And so for me, I had to be like, then be like, it's okay. Like that's Jason. Yeah. And I need rest and recovery and this like downtime. But like, do you like, is that just part of your makeup or do you feel like you're not allowed to rest and you're, but you're just like, I'm doing joy levels. Yeah. My joy level is so much higher when I'm out there doing and creating. If I'm watching TV, unless it's an amazing show, you got to really have something. There's some really good shows these days. The last time I had an amazing experience watching something, I was, I was in the movie theater watching The Life of Pi, the recreation of that Yan Martell book. And I was on mushrooms, <laughs> so that helped my joy level. My joy level was already pretty high, <laughs> but I cried because the movie was so beautiful and tickled all my fancies. <laughs> I was like, this is such a good movie. It's got everything I like. But I rarely have that experience when I'm watching something. The first episode of like season three of Chef's Table is great where they're they're talking to the girl who started Milk, that, that dessert oh, company in New York City. I didn't know that was a female. It's a woman, yeah. She, she kind of came up with cereal milk as a way to, as, to use in her cooking by soaking cereal in milk and then... Free. And then straining the cereal out. So then you have flavored sweet milk. <laughs> and then you use that milk to make your muffins and your cakes and cookies and stuff. Then it has that essence of cornflakes or whatever. Anyway, her episode makes me cry. No mushrooms in No mushrooms, <laughs> just cereal. I love cereal. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
But do you just think that that's part of your makeup? Though? My makeup. I'm I'm not easily entertained if I just sit down and watch something. Yeah. Or if I go to a concert, I'm not easily entertained. I'd rather be doing it. Right. Yeah. And that's what I think that I just wanted to bring that up because I now see that in you. But I think for like I said, I, I, there was that one point that I was like, oh, is there something wrong with me? Like I'm lazy or I'm this. But I was like, no, like I need this recovery day. And I've been very vocal like in saying like, hey, people, you need to rest. You need to like and not maybe everybody. Well, and perhaps you get rest in different ways. I'm not saying for everybody to sit down and watch right Netflix like all day long but just like oh okay like there's times where like I'm like I just need to chill and but I felt like I should be doing stuff because he is (laughs) and then again like just listening to yourself but yeah yeah, you're just such a like doer I'm I've done a lot I've gotten better you know having the little yoga practice in the morning and then I do stretch at night before I go to bed that's a way for me to like really wind things down is that yeah? Has that been then a problem? Like yeah, does that affect sleeping or something? Because I had ever because of your like affects, doer mind, it affects sleeping. Yeah, doing stuff or this need to feed. Creative. The last couple of weeks has been insane. Like I would do an eight-hour day on the farm, all kinds of stuff, whether it's pruning trees, planting things, mowing, weeding. Go have dinner. And then where a normal person should get on the couch with his wife and watch a movie, I would then go into the studio from 8 or 9 p.m. and do another eight-hour shift all night until the sun comes up and tweak on music and write songs and record them and just to see what can come of it, get four hours of sleep and then start all over again. I don't know what it is, but I'm in a really high productive season right now. Well, that's too, That's good to notice too. Like then there's like different seasons, there is right? seasons. And yes. we've learned that. And then has that been useful to be like, okay, with, Very. oh, like right now it's okay. Like it's okay. I'm just more into that it's and not spring, force it. Honestly, I've been, if I look at earth pace and, and it being spring right now, I've been very productive. Like winter's finally over. We had a huge rain over winter and things are growing fierce. So that means we have to have extra hours in the field to manage all the weeds coming up, manage all the, there's a lot of invasive and noxious weeds that are taking over our farm that we don't want. So managing those things takes a lot of time and effort. Ideas, brewing, um, people wanting to collaborate. If I want music next year, I got to write it this year. Yeah. So I've just been really inspired to do all those things. However, if you back up a season, winter, winter was rough for me. It was cold. Uh, we had a lot of rain. I couldn't get outside as much. I toured from Thanksgiving up to Christmas, which was actually really challenging. Mm-hmm. It turned out, I don't know what happened. There was, I wanted to be more productive than I was in January. So I beat myself up a little bit. But I, yeah. but then I kept telling myself, hey, it's winter. Nobody works that hard in winter. Nature doesn't work yeah, that hard like in winter. Slow down. Yeah. Hibernation. Be okay with that. So there were a few times where I noticed myself, my joy level dropping or getting a little sad, which if I'd have made that mean something, I that could have continued on to become more of a depressing experience. But I reminded myself, it's just winter. Don't work so hard. Relax. It's okay to sit and watch the movie with your wife. I was like, what'd you do to relax? <laughs> Build a fire. You know, help your wife stay warm. It's winter for her too. You know, let's don't forget to be together. 
don't just work all the time. So now that spring is up and the weather's nice and I'm taking advantage of this high productive season, but summer for me is going to be touring. So I won't have as many hours here on the land and tour is a totally different season. It's a different schedule. And I actually sleep a lot on tour because I have a very strict routine Yeah, to stay healthy, to keep my voice. And then plus with traveling and you're in different cities, you have less obligations. So I know I can get eight to 10 hours of sleep yeah. on tour and love life. You know, <laughs> I can watch movies in a hotel room if I'm stuck in some city that I don't want to explore. Um, I, I wrote this thing recently and it's been making me think a lot about different areas of my life. And I wanted to ask if where you can apply it in your own life. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. That could apply to your own life yeah. right now. Like for me, it's like, oh, sleeping in is easier, but maybe that's not best for me because I feel better when I, I also, I don't do the Tibetan rites, but I get up and do yoga or like what is easier for me is to say yes, but I actually want to say no or like. Yeah. What is easiest? So I live in San Diego and a lot of my work is in Los Angeles or my meetings are in Los Angeles, charity events, TV shows, et cetera. What is easiest for me would be to not go to Los Angeles. Mm. I don't like going to Los Angeles. The traffic sucks. It's congested. Mm -hmm. But it is best for me to go. Recently, I was going up for a charity event. I did not want to go. It would have been so easy to not go. Yeah. To just say, you know what? It's a charity event. I'm not getting paid to be there. Mm -hmm. I don't need to go. It's easier for me to stay home. But I know that Charity events especially are best for me because you get to meet volunteers. How you feel how at them. How you feel. Oh my gosh. Talk about joy level. Yeah. Doing good equals feeling good. When I leave from a charity event, they're busier than my normal events because people have access to you and they want to talk to you and everybody wants to take your picture. Which could be feel like more work or overwhelming. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. it can. Yeah. That's why I'm saying it's easier to stay home. Because you don't have right. to deal so with the city. Like, you don't have to deal with life. anything, right? I mean, home is a farm. I don't deal with anybody yeah. hardly. But it is best for me to actually go out because that's how I learn. I learn from, and I'm inspired by it. It's like, is it remind you like, yeah. oh, this is why this I is write why. those songs. Yes. <laughs> this is who the songs serve. Yeah. The so songs don't serve my cat <laughs> and their cat food. I can't, my, song, my cats don't give a shit <laughs> about my songs. I write songs because they bring me joy, but mm -hmm. then I put, put them, them out, out in the world hoping that they make somebody else happy too. And I really get to see that when I show up, when I go do the promotion or when I go especially to those charity events. Okay, I only have like two more things. There's just going to be one, but since you brought that up. Speaking of, so let's say you're out in public maybe at your own charity event and these people are saying hi, but more so like you went into Cafe Gratitude to get food and then there's people there that recognize you and see you and want to have conversations with you. Mm -hmm. I bet, I know that a lot of times you're just wanting to be a private person going to get food. Do you have to think about like, I'm Jason Mraz walking into this restaurant and I am prepared for people to want to talk to me. How do you deal with that? Or like, is there ways... 
You know what I mean? Or just like talking about that in general, like that's a part of your life that you may be recognized, you may not. I take it experience by experience. I take it interaction by interaction. I I can't walk into a room and go, they're going to know me here because I'm part owner of Cafe Gratitude. I mentioned Cafe Gratitude because most times I'm guessing people will approach you. And most employees don't know who I am, period, or know that I have an ownership. Yeah. So they don't give me my employee discount or my investor discount. And I don't ask for it. I don't say, oh, by the way, I get a partner discount. <laughs> I don't do that. So I don't do that when I walk in anywhere and say, people are going to know me. I don't do this. So I do it interaction by interaction. And if someone comes up to me and says, hey, I was just listening to your music or I'm familiar with your music or aren't you, Jason? I think I've heard your songs. Whatever the case, I take it interaction by interaction. I say this because occasionally there'll be an interaction that's annoying. Yeah. Most of the time people are so sweet and they just want to have a positive experience or get some sort of confirmation on something. And even if you're in a space of, I don't really want to talk to people, or do you now I'm just like, I'm entering public, so I'm prepared to be okay. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, because like we're all humans that sometimes you're just like, I'm just running in to get food and out. Like, I don't want to talk to people and that you're also that human, but also people might recognize you. I don't want to talk to people that usually, then I'm usually not in public, right? Like, or if I'm just going in to get something to eat, I'm still being in public. I know that I'm going to have to interact with the person behind the counter and potentially people in there. I don't really think of my fame until someone else brings it up. And then I go, oh, yeah. And for me, it's perfectly understandable because I have promoted myself so much that I know that there is some level of notoriety somewhere. But I also know that I don't know everybody in that room. I don't know everybody on the New York subway. I don't know if I'm standing next to the world's greatest violin player or the person who wrote the next biggest screenplay. I have no idea. So I have to assume... I'm in a situation like nobody knows if I am a broke college kid coming in here to get a smoothie or this kid is a superstar. He's a millionaire and he's coming in here to get a smoothie. None of that matters, right? Until I have an interaction with someone. The ones that annoy me are... Hey, man, should I know you? Right, where they're like, they know you, but they're just trying to get a play. I got to get a picture for the girls in my office, or I got to get a picture of you for uh, such and such. I don't know who you are, but I know somebody does. Like, every every now and then there's a something. And do you feel like they actually do know, and they're just trying to be weird, or that they're just somebody like, so many people seem to be recognizing you, so I'm going to need to take advantage of that. It's a little of that, yeah. It's like, all right, you know, I'm not, I don't want to just be a sighting. I'd rather be a someone. You know, does that make sense? I don't want to just be, you look familiar. Should I know you? I was like, well, if you don't know me, then you shouldn't know me. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you who I am. I'm Because at this moment, I'm in here to buy a smoothie. I'm not here to sell my CDs. Yeah. So I'm not going to go out of my way to do a song and dance for you if you... I don't know. That's why I say I just have to take it interaction by interaction. Well, and I was just saying too, like, not, it's like, I'm guessing that, yeah, sometimes it might be like, oh no, I'm, you might go somewhere where more people are recognizing you, whether it's an airport or a certain restaurant or something. And you're just like, I was just hoping to have a conversation with this person. I don't want to turn it into photos. But people keep coming up to me. And so like that, that's a challenging thing to navigate because you're like, of course you want to appreciate these people that appreciate you, but you're also just here to do that. So like how, 
have you been able to navigate? Or do you wish like, like you had a piece of paper to like hand to people to be like, hi, I'm so grateful for your attention, oh, yeah. but That's such a I'm dick here. move, no. I think. If I had a card, it was like, yes, you, we met and here's a thing. So you're just like, all right, this is my life. And if all these people are coming up to me, I'm going to have to greet them. Yeah. Or do you have a certain like, I'm just going to have to be like, hey, I'm trying to have exactly. food. And you just have to turn that on sometimes and be okay with. Exactly. I do it interaction by interaction. And if I'm running late, I just say, I apologize. I don't have time for a picture if that's what they're seeking. Have you ever had people be upset with how you're receiving them? Because you know, just like they're wanting more and you're just like, I need to be here. Occasionally, like after a show, if, you know, you come out of the theater, it's almost midnight, you get on the bus, but there's still 30 people outside and they all want a picture or they want to do, they want to meet you. They want to do something. And I just don't have the capacity anymore yeah. to have conversations. And even though I know it's going to be a lot of flattery out there, just listening to people tell you positive things i I just don't have the energy yeah and i know that because i've lived that and i've seen that i don't know if people out there realize that like it's long ass days and a lot of work and as much as they want to like acknowledge you and have that conversation that they're also just like i'm so drained and i need i can't even talk yeah and and then that can actually turn. People outside can go from being your biggest fan yeah. to start and that cursing was, you yeah. from outside. Like, we've been out here for an hour. Get out of here, you asshole. So you can turn to like your their favorite person in the world. Yeah, to, to your least favorite. To, and yeah, I'm like, how did you just have to be like, okay, I'm, you know, taking myself and like, yeah. did that used to have to weigh on you more? Or? None of my business what people think of me. Bringing it back. None of my business. All right. Even when they're being very loud. <laughs> it sucks. That sucks when people have that experience. And so that's also, it's just like remembering like, man, you probably like, that would be amazing if you could have one-on-one connections people with all those people, but you're had a full day and a full life and of all these things and that. Yeah. It's just, that's a hard thing when people, I, it's like, you can understand the disappointment, but obviously not the anger. And that, uh, we're bringing it back to like, not bringing it back. We didn't talk about it, but expectations versus possibilities that those people waiting in line, they had the expectation. I'm waiting here by the bus. So I'm going to meet them, but they needed to have the possibility, possibility. Jason Marez is going to take a picture with me or he's, I'm not, he's going to walk by and I got really close to him. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of possibilities. That. So seeing possibilities. Yeah. Final thing. I came here with keychains and asked you to pick one and you picked so fucking grateful. So fucking grateful. Why that one speak to you? What's your... So fucking grateful. Because I still feel like that kid who collected Reese's wrappers. <laughs> I still feel like I'm 18 years old. Like, well, you are the guy that's still collecting I know, I'm still hoarding <laughs> dumb things. <laughs> to uh, create epic creations. That's right. So I still feel like that kid. And all along this journey, I've seen other people who are more talented, uh, funnier, whatever, more better, different, right, than me, that I think they should have these, they should have this experience. They should Mm -hmm. have these paydays. They should have these luxuries. They should see all seven continents the way I've seen all seven continents. So I 
I, I'm able to stand in my own backyard, which is this ever-changing garden season after season, and just feel so grateful. Like, really? I have a garden? You know, I've, I, know I, have, I have a backyard, I have a house, all because I followed my mm-hmm. joy and, and stayed creative. I am so fucking grateful. I am so grateful. Like, I come home from tour and I cry, Be- not because I'm sad or exhausted, yeah. but because a tour was so much fun. But then I get to come home and live here. This place is so beautiful that I am so overwhelmed. Like I get to, this is where I get to spend my time. I get to be here. And what is my purpose here to, to see that trees are healthy, that food grows and that I stay creative and continue to serve the child in me that wants to just collect things and make things. So grateful. So grateful. So fucking grateful. (laughs) And grateful to teachers, mentors, peers, people who, who guided me here. Because where I stand today isn't the detailed dream of a child. Parts of it is. My way of being. My interests are there. But what it looks like, where I live, who I work with, how I work, the resources that I have, those are details that got added thanks to the people I partnered with through the years, the friendships I made, the business collaborations, the um, the teachers that I met, whether you were an astrologer or a yoga teacher or a manager or a farmer, a parent, an artist all became teachers to me, mentors to me that guided me to be the kind of man I am today. So another reason I am so fucking grateful (laughs) because when I was 21, I also got introduced to crystal meth, which for someone who likes to do a lot of things, (laughs) that will double down on how much you get done. But it also comes with great risk and is a terrible thing to do. So what I'm saying is I could have also been influenced to go down that path. I could have hung out with the wrong crowd and ended up in a very different place. So I am so fucking grateful that the people that I did meet guided me away from those things and guided me more towards sustainable joy that and and joy and inner peace that's cultivated within, not dependent on crystal meth, not dependent (laughs) on marijuana, not dependent on an audience's applause, not dependent on a paycheck. Um, So fucking grateful that I was given the opportunities I was given and supported by the people that supported me to, to help me be who I am. I love you, Jason. Yeah, I love you too, Trisha. Thanks, Thanks. for having this conversation with this me was and fun. sharing so many events and journeys of our lives. Oh <laughs> my goodness! Still going. And congrats on your new adventure in podcasting. Thank you. It's very exciting. I think you have a lot of general intrigue. <laughs> Is that the word? You're you're um. Interest? Inquisitive. Mm, yeah. 
as uh, yeah, as as soon as I opened the car door today, and I'm asking five yeah. questions, she goes, "Why are you asking so many questions?" Oh my gosh! Every time I see Trish, she's like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "I don't even know." I sometimes ask questions, and then I go, "I you don't need to answer that. I don't even know why I would need to know that." Right. I'm very interested. <laughs> so I'm happy to be talking with epic people. Yeah, you're like doing you. great. All right. Okay, wait, one last thing, though. What are you claiming for yourself? What am I claiming? Well, where I am today is the result of claiming it. I claimed yeah. it. I claimed my life. Uh, every step of the way, you have to reclaim it, I think. Yeah. Um, There's never one, one and done. Oh. Like when I moved to California, I had to claim it. It's like, I'm claiming being a starving artist. I'm claiming it. I don't care what I make and where I sleep. The art is worth it. I'm doing it. And it felt so good to claim, just claim that because it didn't feel like a failure. Yeah. Then when I got asked to have a record deal, you know, at first it's scary, but I think, you know what? I'm going to claim it. I'm going to be yes. that guy. I'm going to get it. And I realized early on that anybody can get a record deal. You really can. What you do with it is what matters. The record company not going to do shit. They'll help you with the resources, but you got to make that art. So when I got signed, I, I claimed it. I said, I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to write. I'm going to write. I'm going to write. I'm going to make the best stuff I can possibly make so that I can use this record deal to the best of my abilities, to the, you know, et cetera. So reclaiming it, reclaiming it. Every time there's a tour, you got to reclaim it. This is, you know, I'm going to be gone for 10 months. I got to claim it. This is my suitcase. Yeah. When my suitcase went missing for a year, I had to claim that, you know, claim, choosing it. I, I lost it, a suitcase. Yeah. That was an amazing story. I had to claim, I had to file a claim. <laughs> what was in it? Come up with other stuff. A year later, we get a phone call from a hotel. that's like, we have a suitcase it came here. Back totally intact, right? Totally. And I had just done my <laughs> laundry later. right before yes. that and put in a lavender so smell good satchel. Everything was pressed and it smelled like lavender. It was Amazing. It took 14 months by the time it got back to my possession. So anyway, I claim it, claim, 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 claim. Where I am now is a result of claiming that I would um, just free myself up from some ties, finish some deals, um, start a new venture with my wife, this little family farm business, go into business with my friends for, of 20 years, where instead of peddling CDs and music, we're peddling avocados and we're starting to grow coffee and bananas and building relationships with local grocers and restaurants and cafes, which is really rewarding uh, because we love eating locally, serving locally, and I have this ability to grow food and get it, sell it locally, which is very, very cool. So I'm claiming this life right now. I'm claiming, I don't know, a rebirth, a reset. Can you claim something and say, I don't know, in the same sentence? I'm claiming, yeah, well, I don't know. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, it's like claiming that you're good with the I don't know, maybe, of what's next. Is that what you mean? Of like, or what's, I don't know. Uh, well, it's also the I don't know what I'm getting from that. It's claiming is like, that you're good that you're fulfilled that you're at yeah. peace with your life and your choices yeah i'm claiming contentment yes i really Perfect. am there we, we got we got to the word contentment claiming content <laughs> i am content yo yes i my days are full my days are full if you want to know more about jason Moraz, <laughs> <laughs> i'm not on social media very much 
But he's I do, doing things. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a social media manager, uh, a manager of communication who helps encourage me to post things and share my life because eventually I will be having to go to market with my fruit. I will be having to go to market with future music, you know, and all that stuff requires a bit of promotion. I think social media is a beautiful thing. It's whatever you put into it. So if you, you know, you might not be super into it, but you're still have the presence. It's just that, yeah, it's like to keep connection. I see it as a yeah. great place for connection and inspiration. And if you're yeah. not getting that from it, then change the yeah. way you're for accessing it. I see it as a really valuable way to stay in touch with your family and your friends because you can show people your day-to-day life. I can see what my nieces and nephews are doing. I see what my sister's doing. I see the pictures that my mom takes. You know, it's really cool stuff. For the promotional aspect, you know, I don't need to be on it 24 seven to promote who I am. I think I've done a good job with that all the way back to handing out postcards yes. 20 and years you, ago. Which at you're my bringing back shows. with your avocados. Apparently. Exactly. So anyway, I'm, I'm right. claiming contentment. I, I like who I am and I love it. The way life is going right now. And because it could all be over tomorrow. So I feel whole and complete. I love it. I love you. Thanks. Thank you. Love you too. <laughs> Thanks for having me on your show. You're welcome. So there you go. Three hours of Jason and I talking. We totally did not plan for it to go that long. But as you can tell, we have some history and it was really fun. And honestly, I still have more I'd love to talk to him about. So I'm sure I'll have him back eventually. I do have some links for you in the show notes. You can go over to yourjoyologist.com slash podcast. And I have the link to Jason's yoga music playlist. And I do have a link for his astrologist, Nova or astrologer. Not sure which is the proper term. And I'll have some more links over there for this episode and all episodes. Please subscribe and rate this show because that means a little something as it helps other people to find it and to be able to listen and enjoy it as well. And I'm doing something fun. If you do rate, screenshot it and email it to your joyologist at yourjoyologist.com. And every week I'm going to pick someone who left a review to win a box of my kick-ass affirmation-based product line. Yep. Like the keychains I'm having every guest pick. Uh, you can get the same keychain Jason shows, the So Fucking Grateful. I have an affirmation deck, mugs, wine glasses, journals, magnets, all sorts of different things to inspire you and empower you at yourjoyologist.com and hit the shop button. You can find everything me there as well at yourjoyologist.com. I'm at yourjoyologist on Instagram. And, um, I'm just so happy to be doing this podcast now, and I really hope you got to learn some little fun nuggets for yourself in this episode. Please share them on social and tag me and Jason. And uh, most importantly, right now, ask yourself, what are you claiming for yourself right now? And I'm going to take you out with this little jam that Jason sent me over when I told him I still hadn't chosen any music for my podcast. This is not going to be my theme song, but I figured why not add it to the end of his episode. All right, here you go.
claim it, you can't claim it. We can claim it, everybody claim it.